0: Hello, climate designers. Thank you for being part of this community of designers taking on climate action.
1: We are graphic designers, industrial designers, fashion designers, software designers, illustrators, interaction designers, architects, or any other kind of designer pushing for climate action in their work.
0: You can learn more and join us at climatedesigners.org.
1: This is brought to you by Sarah Harrison and Mark O'Brien of The Determined. Welcome to a special episode of We Are Climate Designers not only do we have two great guests joining us for this episode, we have a live audience joining us for a QA and a session after the interview, which is something new that we're trying. It's something that we're going to be offering our community members. So if you uh, are not part of our active, fun, and engaging online community, definitely sign up. You can connect with others in your area and around the globe by heading to climatedesigners.org slash community to get all the links to get in there and it is free. So let's get started.
0: Yeah. So today we have Shauna Dressler and Brian Quinn. They're going to introduce themselves in a minute, but yeah, super excited to have you all here. And Shauna, you and I have been colleagues for a very long time now. So it's exciting to work with you again after so many years. So, would love to hear from you all about your backgrounds so you've been doing this kind of creative leadership training for a while now so how did you all get into doing this kind of work and maybe more importantly why are you doing this kind of work
2: so first of all thank you so much mark and sarah for having brian and i so my background starts uh, probably 2010 where in new york city the startup community was just getting going i think most of us that were launching uh, social enterprises and for-profit businesses. Uh, had no idea what we were doing and that parlayed itself into small business skill training and so I worked for about 10 years with entrepreneurs and then started to realize that the most impact I could make would be to do leadership training because at the end of the day if you have um, an idea uh, and you have a team basically if you're not being effective as a leader it really doesn't matter how great you're your product, or your services. You fall flat on your face if your team isn't willing to follow. So yeah, and that led me into getting leadership training in Amsterdam at the Think School of Creative Leadership. And I'm also an executive coach. And there was a lot of training that was involved with leadership there.
3: Yeah. And Shana and I have known each other for a long time. And we originally uh, were working together and reconnected in like 2019 and then ended up creating a workshop together around human skills or soft skills for 99u and it was i think the last physical event they had my background is uh, i'm an event producer an experienced designer curator of conferences and I'm the one that helps bring together the workshop experience side of things as we look at this idea of, at the time, it was like the future of work. And then also, I think the future of leadership has is really connected with that as well. We recognize that there was a massive change, that people weren't going to be working the same. This is all ahead of the pandemic. And we wanted to help change that. And now, obviously, the pandemic threw a few things off in terms of doing more of these workshops or events, but I I think it's great now to look at it in terms of, reinventing companies or the way in which people work from the inside out and how can that be applied and in this case certainly the idea of applying that to climate designers is really interesting and around the scope of leadership.
1: Yeah for sure in our work educating designers we've you know definitely found that there's a real need at a certain point in a designer's career to learn these leadership skills. One of the things I like to talk about is the Design Index Fund is a group that analyzed, in 2015, they analyzed the difference between, I think it was 10 design-led companies and contrasted them with the S&P 500. And they compared these 10 design-led companies with the value of the um, stock market uh, over 10 years. And they found that design improved the performance of these design-led companies by 211%. So that's what I like to talk about is the the value of design and what it brings to these companies. So design-led companies, meaning Apple, Airbnb, and Pinterest. And we're talking about what is the value that designers bring to businesses And maybe putting like a measurable number on that and then thinking as designers, as climate designers, we have the choice which businesses we want to bring that 211% value boost to and which companies we work for and which companies we lend our expertise to. So, I don't know, Brian, do you have some thoughts around like maybe why is it that design-led companies are doing so much better than the standard s 500?
3: We certainly, when we did our, our program, one of the base, the kind of pillars, one of the four pillars that we started with around, like what are the human centered skills for the future of work and trying to think about this is, it all boiled down to empathy. And I do think that designers are uniquely suited in this weird and sensible way to, to be very empathetic. And that means, and they also engage in a process, I guess to generalize and saying all designers, but when we look at companies, There is that trope, of course, that many companies out there still think that design is the last part of the process of how it looks. And yet, you know, they still have terrible and weak products and services, all of that. But designers perhaps are, in the way they think, very well equipped to see a new way of looking at the world and having that conscious approach of intention and value and how things work. So. As, of course, we know, our world is getting super complex. It's just clear that design needs to be a part of this, people say, seat at the table. Maybe it's driving the whole process. I don't know. But I think that's certainly when we heard about when certainly I heard about climate designers, it made a lot of sense to me because it's, okay, climate change is one of the biggest issues Maybe it may dwarf this pandemic. It's going to be huge in the future. So how can designers take the lead either internally at teams or through the work they do, through their own companies, through communication and storytelling, I think they're well-equipped in many ways, and it's just about perhaps bridging that gap of leadership.
1: Yeah, one we talk about often as a design-led company to look at is Airbnb. We love their story. They were founded by three designers, and I'm assuming that their current status as the most valuable travel company is not due to the awesome Photoshop skills those founders had.
3: Yeah, it's so funny because I work in travel right now. I, I organize conferences around the business of travel, and yeah, it is, Airbnb is become one of the most valuable companies in the industry but and they get the founders came out of RISD and they they obviously had I think there was two co-founders and then they brought on like an architect who helped to build things maybe they were inspired by Steve Jobs at some point who knows but they ended up in Silicon Valley I don't think anybody really took them seriously at first and over time though they've really came in with their convictions about this mission of we want people to stay in other people's homes and have this air bed and breakfast experience and everyone's like you're crazy but maybe it's the strength of their beliefs or knowing that they wanted to build a community around this but somehow over time and just great design as a part of it in terms of the visual aesthetic that imbued a lot of trust but over time they've grown and the idea latched on and it's a great example i think it's also really interesting to say with companies like airbnb or apple that they wouldn't necessarily be built in the same way as if they were started today and we're facing an entirely different set of challenges so what's the ability to see something like that kind of company for climate design or climate change in the future as well so i think it can be there designers just inherently try to see things differently and build it. So it's a matter of where can we get there?
1: You mentioned that it happens over time. There's design process that goes into that and iteration, listening to your customers and realizing where the problems are and then making changes based on that, I think is a big part of that evolving over time to become a really valuable company. Ashana, what do you think it is that design-led companies are doing differently than other companies?
2: I think that design like companies start with designers and so their orientation towards leadership as soon as they assume the role of being a leader is going to be very different than if you are somebody that comes up the ranks of a Fortune 500 company and or you have like a business background. And what Brian said before about people responding to like the founders of Airbnb like you're crazy is probably what makes design leaders great, because there's an openness to it. Like creative leadership is all about exploring things that are out of the box. And so I think that leads them with people and that's what leadership's all about. You have a vision of your company and then you have to have people to execute on. So already having human-centered design as um, a process, that becomes more applicable to people. Understanding how innovation works and how there's a disruptive nature of innovation hopefully translates into people understanding that people will feel disrupted in the process of the business being disrupted. And then I think also the the point about empathy, when you talk about leadership competencies Empathy is one of the qualities that ranks the highest after vision. You're going to lead somebody that has a clear vision, and then after that, you want to feel appreciated. You want to feel seen. That's what's going to excite you and inspire you to follow. So I think that all of these qualities is probably what has a lot to do with why design-led companies. And also, anyone that's doing working in design realizes that they have to collaborate. Whereas people on top might be managing top-down, there's no way... When you're working as a designer with everybody that it takes to get a product you have to collaborate and being a collaborative leader just makes you a stronger leader
0: great so i want to circle back to what brian said a few seconds ago so what would a design-led company focusing on climate actually look like so maybe shauna do you have any thoughts on that
2: i think that if you're not thinking about climate i don't know what you're thinking about i think we've all heard the comment if we don't have a planet to live on and and live in a way place where there's clean air and everything else that we need to thrive, like you're really in no business. So I, I think that it's so short-sighted not to understand your larger impact and, and how you're, we are in a larger eco, ecosystem in general. So I think in terms of design like companies focusing on climate, I think one is you need to be um, deliberate about it and know that this is something you're tackling. It can't just be something that you're adding on later. I think it has to be designed into the whole process. And I think it's just not necessarily climate out there. It could be like, how are you using resources? How are you figuring out recycling? What is the impact your own business has on the environment? Start close to home. We can't do a lot about what's happening in multinational companies that have to think across the globe, like start local in terms of impact. And I think it's just there's so many tools that designers and design companies have, like circular design back in the day when people were talking about cradle to cradle, understanding if we're using raw materials, how they're going to end up. So I think that all of these things may be a company's thinking more like social impact, but at the end of the day it's absolutely connected to climate. And so I think also making that intellectual connection is really essential and that it's not just this term that I always feel is spread on everything. What does social impact mean? Anyway, that's a social piece. What about the environmental side?
3: It's so interesting. So we're being very general, right? So it's designers, we're painting designers with one brush and we're painting the climate change problem with another as well. It's such a complex issue. And yet, no matter What kind of designer you are or what company you work in or what you see your role being it's i guess what i'm trying to figure out is how can and and i think what we would embark on in a kind of leadership dedicated summit here and, and what i'm also excited to hear from people in the questions and hear from their individual problems is trying to say how can we engage in a process and whether it be project based within a company and yes you could say it's is it just fulfilling some kind of a csr type need versus them understanding a larger intrinsic problem of and global issue where do you start small or do they are they looking to reinvent their entire company either way i think designers are the ones that could really help lead the way in which a company tackles this and it may just be storytelling it may be design thinking and embarking on that process but if a designer imagines himself as the ceo as the leader of a company and where would they across the board look at these different gears that are operating and how whether it be data analytics or just Analysis and feedback, and all of this stuff. How can we actually understand the impact of the company and then change operations and try to make maybe drastic? Everybody has, even if they're a big company, they're going to run into financial concerns of saying, putting the brakes on and saying, this is too much. But trying to make the case that it's going to be much better in the long term to affect change now in many ways, I guess. How can designers be at the helm for for not only that conversation, but strategy in terms of how a company is able to tackle that? And maybe it's instilling that core belief across the company, thinking empathetically again about, I understand each person's job and their challenge, and here's how I'm going to help to see that, tackle it, bring it into the process, and not try to bulldoze through these things is, I think, is also something I would expect designers might approach in terms of how they embark on this change throughout a company, a design-led company. So I hope that, again, I think it would be great to then really get more granular with actual examples. But yeah.
2: For sure. I would add to that. Also, when I, I ran an incubator for Google for design entrepreneurs, and one thing we realized that maybe designers don't articulate enough of is they are actually trained to become strategists. They're problem solvers their communication um, specialists, they know how to shape chaos into something that communicates powerfully. And these are all really incredibly important skills that tie back in terms of a leader to vision. Like again, who do you look to, to follow somebody that actually has an idea ahead that they have a true north, they have a destination, and then basically we're inspired to get on board with that leader. And so I think where designers can start to insert themselves, even within a company, is being entrepreneurial, starting with where are the gaps? Where are the issues? What is the head of the company and people that have a C in their title, like CTOs, CIO, CFO, CDO, there's so many Cs, there's like chief chief data officer. What are they missing that you can see? That is a really unique quality that people that go through design school get trained on? And then how do you package that up to communicate what's needed? And I think finally, it's like compelling communication is a huge part of when I've seen design curriculums. It's not good enough to communicate, but you need to be succinct and compelling and get to the point and to persuade. And so I think that when you really see that as your skill set, you can almost shift your lens to somebody, to, to the type of person within a team that can really affect very yeah. significant change.
3: One of the modules in our workshop generally is influence and persuasion. And I think that's a big part of this. Climate change arguably has become this political issue and, and it's something that becomes emotional for some. And it's about how do we actually show people in many ways that even seemingly minute or infinitesimal changes now, Can have massive effects in the future, or how? can Why do I need to worry about this problem in the future? And I I know that I'm sure many of us could try to tell that story to a blue in the face. But at the same time, trying to engage in a process in that and thinking about also, of course, profitability for a company and answering that equation is going to be inherent in that process too. So it's there's no one path, but I do think that's part of that empathetic journey that would be really great as long as people are willing to hear it to a certain degree.
1: Nice. Shana, when you were talking about meeting with the different heads of different departments and the CTO and the CEO, it reminded me of my background in software startups in Silicon Valley. I was trained as a graphic designer and then I was mostly self-taught as a UX designer. I just fell into the role. And I was never formally trained in leadership, but I just graduated into that role through experience. And one of the things that you were talking about is something that I would just do because I I wanted to help everybody in the company do what they do better. And so I would meet with every head of every department as the sole designer at the company to just see how everybody was using the product and where the gaps were. It was just something that I highly recommend people start doing if nobody else is doing it. Now getting back to you know, now that we know how valuable leadership skills are to a designer's ability to uh, change and improve business practices and products, which is exactly what we're trying to do as climate designers, or we're trying to help them change their practices to become more sustainable, regenerative, innovative, eco-friendly, all the things. So obviously this requires companies to do things differently than they currently are. So. As a designer who might come into a company, like I was in, my, in one of my roles, I was hired as a UI designer, and then I just started doing product management because nobody else was doing it and became head of product, and it was just what I did. But if you're not as uh, cheeky as I am, I guess, how would someone go about learning these skills, and can it be done more quickly than... 10 or 15 years of the school of hard knocks like I did. I made a lot of mistakes, of course, and learned a lot from those mistakes. But is there a way to teach people these leadership skills more quickly and less painfully? Yeah. I think
2: the first thing is the best way to lead is to start with a project that you take the lead role on. Because leadership training can become very academic, like to listen to somebody talk about how to lead. If you're not leading yourself, it's a little bit hard to follow so I think as somebody that's working within a company the first step would be like listening for what's needed listening for where there's a gap listening where there's an opportunity and then the proverbial raise your hand and offer to take initiative and get started because you're not going to really learn how to lead until you have people that are following you that's the whole point point. and I think it's also it's not necessarily a lead follow dynamic it could be how do you lead there's three types of leadership. There's, you know, top down, you're just like a commander. There's a leader lead, leading by the side and there's also leading from behind. And so part of partly picking your leadership style won't be possible until you start to interact with people to see how does your personality drive with another person's and how do you need to keep aware of what the dynamics at play are so that you can figure out how to, you adjust yourself because telling other people what to do And being critical is not going to get the best out of people. So there's so much that goes on with like observation and like a test and learn. If I speak this way to somebody, what kind of um, impact am I going to get if I give somebody feedback in this way? So I think a lot of it comes down to really coming from a place of curiosity. And as much as it's like the worst news in leadership is it's really about self-knowing. The better you understand yourself, the better you understand where your own landmines are, the better you understand what irritates you. That's st- step one, like the consciousness piece. And then the sec- step two in leadership is called self-management, meaning manage yourself, <laughs> Because you cannot manage other people easily, but you can start to course correct for the way you're coming off and how to do that is you're observing all the time what is the response what's the look on somebody's face we're all on zoom so much and most of us are probably not paying attention but most of us are very emotive through our, our, our face or our body like as a coach I've been trained look at somebody's body if they're all of a sudden tensing up and their shoulders are way up to their ears or if they have a, a stance that looks you know, stressed out, chances are the body is the biggest indicator to understand what's going on in the head and the heart. So like circling back to this in terms of like how to do it is start off with offering yourself up to take the lead on something and be passionate about it and then get great people around you so that they know you're not going to be perfect. None of us are Um, and that you're there to, to keep learning together as a group. I think that the more It's about us and less about me and you, where there's that separation. I think people tend to create a lot more psychological safety, which was one of the main principles in a leadership and team study that Google did a few years ago, where they found that when we feel safe with other people, we work much better. We can deal with conflicts as they raise. We can give each other feedback. And these are all of the things that kind of get us back to a place of optimal working and getting things done and everything else gets in our way of just not being productive. It's not so much about the work, it's usually about relationships. So <laughs> I guess it's good and the bad news. It's easier to learn a skill that's a hard skill like coding or graphic design or customer development research, but it's much harder to deal with people because we're not taught it. We're often not taught it from parents. Your friends don't teach this to you. Most religious education isn't about how to show up. You can read a book that doesn't really help you flex the muscles around how do you change your behavior. So yeah, unfortunately I think our school systems need to start teaching a lot more about all of these. What Brian and I are, are adamant are human skills. They are not soft, they are not easy, and I mean I think we would all have a better day in and day out um experience if
3: we were just a lot kinder. The connective tissue we often say. I think a lot of people say that, but yeah, sure.
1: Brian, do you have thoughts around specifically how long is it going to take to learn these kinds of skills?
3: Yeah, that's the funny part because it could be instant or take a lifetime. I I think these things as a practice. And it's funny, going back to the soft skills idea, at the same time, Sean, I was listening to what you were saying and thinking about perhaps what designers bring is they also bring a willingness to engage in a process. And if we thought about employing some even product design process to a challenge like this that is complex because of humans and really if we think about something as large as climate change and and addressing that within a company and and all of these Questions that might come up. People have problems understanding what they need to know or how much they need to know before they take action. And anytime people have to make choices, it's about are they changing their mind or being told to change their mind? And so it's all of these things. Um, and yet, if we demystify that and take it into a process and use our strengths as well, there's times where I think, Shauna, you say, let's take our design hat off or keep it on or off. I think there's times where it's just, Let's not just be a designer, because I think that can can be limiting in some ways, too, and be broader than that. But at the same time, using our skills and, and engaging in a process and knowing who you're leading, the company you're at and what their goals are and what what matters to them. And then using that to think about how can we bring that into this process. And anytime we're trying to start something ambitious or disruptive, and there has to be some patience in terms of how long it takes. But I also think that participation as far as bringing people into that makes gives them a little bit of comfort and the agency and the fact that they can maybe be a part of that growth together with you and you're just helping, you know, lead it versus any sort of force feeding of here, let's get into this thing. We have to do something on climate change like... People just, I'm sure, can glaze over,
2: but anyway. Yeah, they've done so much study on knowing facts doesn't actually, that's not the tipping point for people. You can deliver up lots of data and lots of knowledge. And with designers understanding what goes into customer development and interviewing and design research, it's applied that to human experience. Like how is it that we change? What makes us change? What When are we willing to go through something painful to know that on the other side is a benefit? Meaning if we have to stop, if you're thirsty, are you going to not buy a bottle of water because you forgot your own water bottle at home? What is that deprivation piece that that's just an example of we all know, yeah, bring your own water bottle, you forget. And when you're a designer thinking to that specific example to bring back into your work. So then how do you, how do you? Figure out what that behavioral change piece is for the work you're doing in your job, knowing that all of us, (laughs) we know these things and we still, there's some reason that we're still not getting it. So I think the more concrete you can think of examples around change, what are the skill sets you've been taught, and then to think again as designers are trained to do, think outside the box. For the impact that you want to make within climate and your job and hopefully a project that you'll take on as an entrepreneur within a company to start to flex those leadership muscles
3: and just to speak to one of the questions because i do think it relates to this is in terms of designers dreaming big and how do you create something that's approachable or something that you know especially when leading it you understand that it can actually get off the ground is how can it have a beginning and an end and and what's the goal that something that you can ship that is actually achievable and put some boundaries on it versus something as broad as climate change and just broader initiatives. I work with a lot of destinations globally and they often wonder what's the KPIs of what we're measuring? The effect of what we are doing as a destination, as a city, in terms of our own initiatives or the actual overall environmental benefit or sustainability of how our entire city is achieving it. Is it on that big macro level, or is it just really how we've hit our own little benchmarks? And I think it's a hard balance. And those tactics are some of the hardest questions to answer. But at least if you define it, give it some parameters and and guardrails, then that may help set it up for success and leading the next project, that proving it out for the next time and, and continuing on. Great, great. So maybe this is
0: a great question to wrap up with. So many of our community members are designers, obviously, and they're working with companies who might be a little resistant to adopting innovative, sustainable approaches when it comes to doing less harm to the planet, especially because of these approaches often cost more, You know, may, might take longer to get into production, all that stuff. So I'm wondering if you all have any tips or, or ways that designers can approach companies or even clients that are maybe a little bit resistant to doing more, creating more of a sustainable approach.
2: The good news is that it's possible. The bad news for most of us is that to get the attention of these leaders, you have to talk about how it's gonna hit their profit and loss, their P and L sheet. So you have to figure out a very clever way to make the case for implementing this change will actually save the company money. And I know that sounds so crass and so disconnected and so horrible, but the truth is that's where a company will change behavior. So taking us away for just one second from climate into diversity, uh, equity and inclusion, companies are now starting to implement these policies because they're getting sued. So they're willing to spend money on it and they're willing to make change because it's costing them money. They realized that McKinsey did a huge report, that's a management consulting firm that has global offices, that diverse teams actually, they could find a lot more ROI with a product or a service when a diverse team came together to do the production. So again, using an example that's not climate. So climate designers need to learn from that and figure out maybe you're doing a presentation on what's the short term is that maybe we can't save you money, the medium term is when you start to save money and the long term is when you're gonna save lots of money. And then part of the convincing factor is for this company to be so short-sighted, maybe there's another competitor around the corner that's gonna take market share if this isn't implemented quicker. Also because most of us that are conscious consumers, if we have to choose between two companies that do the exact same thing and one is more conscious around climate and ethics, most of us are gonna put our money down to align with our own values. So I think, again, just to restate what I stated, you have to take a big detour off what you're used to doing, which is again, try and convince them because to all of us, it makes sense. But for people that are being driven by profit, you just, it's a a translation. You just have to learn their language, speak it, do all of your convincing in their language and pull it back to what you know is better. And that's, that comes back to the leadership piece. That's the vision that you have that they don't have. That comes back to persuasion, you having the capacities and the competencies to take somebody that doesn't agree. And again, use your skills to get what you want. And again, I think be willing to realize that this might not be a straight path forward that you're going to have to take some backcountry roads, but keep your true north so that you get back to where you want to go. So that's why I said the good and the bad news. <laughs> yes, it's doable To You have to be very clever in how you do it.
3: Yeah, I think the motivator may not always be money either. And I think understanding where, uh, if we keep talking about a general company, what are those things that they hold sacred or that is truly most important? Maybe fear can be a motivator. Maybe because if Apple were built today and launching the iPhone and and revealed to be like super environmentally, you know, harmful, that. It would have been a flop. Who knows? But I think it's the companies today, the kind of paradigm for what people are generally accepting, both on a kind of public level, public perception and what governments are regulating and that may continue to evolve. So there there may be that fear imperative of here's this facing problem that we're going to have to figure out and we can use design thinking or a process to engage in this in a different way. Or it may just be that there is an intrinsic mission to doing good in the world And we just need a way to get there and to try and think about, again, shepherding that. I think so often people have that process or have that goal in mind, but then you get into somewhat of a process and you realize it's going nowhere fast. And so maybe the analytics and ability to bring back some feedback, come into into a process and evaluation of work would really be helpful here. And that could be small. That doesn't have to be like we're design thinking experts. That could be just even in a small business, like a designer could say, Look, I think I can help us get there. It's I think it's about stepping up in many ways, too, and just sharing saying, let me help figure out this process or I think I could help here. So
2: I think it's also examples. If you can point to examples where in your industry using innovation and sustainable practices has worked, that's a really helpful tool. That would be my addition.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm hearing from you is holding that vision of the bigger picture. You're trying to help the business create a brand. And so maybe one of the choices that you need to make in the short term might be less expensive, but if you remember that it also costs money to do build to do brand building activities, they're actually saving money from that other place because this is actually a brand building choice. And just like thinking more holistically
3: about that. It won't be a straight line ever. And I think anyone looking for a straight line of here's some sort of profitability out of making these changes, that's never going to be the case. But I think, yeah, that maybe getting the company to feel more comfort with discomfort, maybe having the confidence in yourself to help lead that process. I think those would all be a part of it. And a lot of the skills and approaches that we look at in in the workshops they vary depending on the use case and i do think it's interesting to say how can we all build our arsenal of these skills and employ them at different times and know when to use them so often it's just that people don't even really take the first step in terms of embarking on even picking one of them it it may just be a little bit of trial and error but yeah I, i think that's Stepping up and saying I'm going to bring us into that and shepherd it is going to be important.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's a whole I think host also of skills. The idea about how can designers get a seat at the table and a what's so critical about being at the table is you want to be understanding what the leaders of your company's interests are, what their concerns are, what obstacles are they facing. So that's why you want to be at the table. And then how do you get there is probably a little bit more complex. But I think it all comes down to as much is you can understand like what's going on with your company, how to get visibility in your company, what kind of committees might be around, like how do you start to understand what the larger strategy of your company is? Yeah, I think that all of those play really important part in trying to to make change because like sustainable solutions are really effective, but if you can't convince anyone to do them and you don't know the language in which it's going to be effective, then it just remains an idea and all of us just remain very frustrated that we don't see things changing. For sure.
1: I liked, Shauna, how you brought in the example of diversity inclusion, and just to draw the analogy for anyone who wasn't paying attention, we are seeing similar trends in the climate space now where companies that have not been kind to their environmental ecosystems are being brought up into courts and may be facing not just activism action but also legal action. And so part of what you're doing by adopting some of these sustainable practices is prevention of future liabilities like that. I feel like we could talk about this for another hour, but we do wanna have a little bit of time for live audience questions. Before we do that, do either of you have anything else you'd like to share or just tell us how people can learn more about your work
2: and connect with you online? I don't have anything else to add. I'm really curious to hear what people's questions are. For me, I have two websites. One shawnadressler.com, and that's my executive coaching work. And I also have a leadership consultancy called Turquoise, and the URL is turquoise.nyc. I do a lot of my work is project-based, meaning working on soft skills training on an actual project, which I found to be much more effective than pulling people off-site to do a lot of Disconnected, different different workshop exercises, and then they don't know how to then apply it back to their work. So that's a little bit about me.
3: I'm really curious to learn about everyone's work as climate designers here. But I would say, with regard to Shauna and myself, reach out to Shauna if it's something around the leadership training or the workshop that could be achieved. And I think that's a great place to start the conversation. We talk all the time, but to channel things, I think it'd be helpful to reach. Tashana and or yeah but always excited about this and I I need to like look at more conversations on Twitter now and everything just to find out what are the ideas and where's the communities that are talking about this I'm very intrigued. Great great and before we wrap up
0: I just wanted to mention this too as many of you are listening and joining us live that Climate Designers is all about action right we're all about providing our community members with the tools and resources that they need to put climate at the center of their work and so we love to offer you all ways to level up and step into those later roles. And so we're excited to be working with Shauna and Dressler on creating some sort of program (laughs) to do that. And just full transparency, we don't really think that this program exists anywhere. The idea of bridging design, climate, and leadership. And so as many of you know, Sarah and I, over the last however many months of building out Climate Designers, we're really building the bike as we ride it in regards to creating this whole initiative. And so we're all on this journey together. We're co-creating the skills we feel you all, climate designers, need to have to take climate action. and we're really excited to announce that we're going to be hopefully creating this program with Shauna and Brian. So if you're interested in taking part in this program, head to climatedesigners.org leadership, and you can sign up for more details as we build out the program and launch it and all those amazing things. Yeah. So maybe with that, Shauna, Brian, thank you all for joining us on the, uh, on the podcast. And for those listening, don't forget to subscribe, share this episode with any colleagues, any people that you work with that would benefit from listening to this interview. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out climatedesigners.org to sign up for email updates. And while you're there, you can check out other stuff.
1: You can create a profile page highlighting your climate-related work, or you can seek out climate jobs and other resources to boost your climate design career. Or for design educators, find resources to bring climate action into your classroom.
0: Yeah, join the conversation on social media with a hashtag I am a climate designer or... Hashtag climate designers, all one word.